Hello and welcome home. You're listening to the Tribe Abuja podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you to know and make known the truth and love of God the Father as expressed through his son, Jesus. Let's listen to the message. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, if you're just joining us, um, we've been doing this series called The Art of War, and this is episode three. And by the grace of God, God has been taking us on a journey where we are learning what it means to be a soldier in the army of the Lord. Amen. So we started out by saying, yes, God is Abba. He is Father, but he's also king, and he is a warrior. He's a warrior king, as Moses told us in the book of Exodus. So... It is important we see ourselves not just as sons and daughters, but as soldiers in the army of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And we are learning how to position ourselves as more than conquerors. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. It's very, very important we see ourselves as that as more than conquerors. You know, this war that I've been talking about or we've been learning about for the past two weeks is not that God, when God tells us to come and be part of this military campaign, it's not that he is too weak. It's not like he lacks resources. Amen? It's not like he's lonely and he needs you on the battlefront with him. No. God is more interested about what you become during the process. Do you understand? It is about he is taking you on this journey because of who he sees you as and what you're supposed to become. So when you go to war, it's more about what God wants you to be than even about the war itself. So God doesn't lack resources. It's not like he's saying, borrow me funds or borrow me bullets or something like Come and join me in this war. He wants you to become something, or rather, someone. At the end of the day, we are supposed to conform into the image of Christ. Hallelujah. And that's what this war does. That we, by engaging in spiritual warfare, that we become like Christ. Amen. That is God's desire. That is the Father's desire, that you become like his son, Jesus Christ. Glory to God. So it is not, you're not just going toward, you're doing um, a favor for God. Who are you? He doesn't need us, but he wants us. Hallelujah. And I just realized that for the past weeks, I know a lot of us, what I've been saying that you are winners, victors, more than conquerors, and all the things that the Bible says about you, child of God, that there is still this mental constraints that we are still having. A few of us are still struggling with the fact that God sees us as that. Some of us are even struggling with the idea that he loves us. <laughs> Talk more even being called a winner. Because most of our lives, all we've known is failure. Or some of us, we've, we only know almost. 
So you are you 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 almost got that visa, you almost got that contract, you almost got married, and your testimony has always been almost so you have this mental constraint of uh, that is barring you from seeing you as God sees you. But by the grace of God, we pray that the power of the Holy Spirit will bring light to you this morning. Amen. 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 If I had to title this sermon today, I'll call it Wage Peace. The first one was Rules of Engagement. Last week was Battle of the Mind. And today, Wage Peace. And honestly, when I was starting this series, the Lord told me I was going to do this topic. And personally, I struggled because I know I have to preach to myself first. It's a very important topic. And it's something we as children of God, we need, we will all face it, whether we like it or not. You know, um, in this battle, there are wars that can be won without exchanging bullets. Amen? Do you agree with me? There are wars that can be won without physical confrontation. Do you agree with me? There is another way to win war. Tell yourself there is another way. There is another way to win battles or war besides engaging in violence. Besides physical trading blows or bullets. There is another way. We know the story of David and Saul. Saul, amazing guy, finest guy in the land, was anointed as king. And he messed up, right? And the Lord stripped him away of his kingship and anointed David. And we know the story where Saul started engaging because of jealousy and envy, started wanting to take um, David's life away. We see in book of Samuel, I think second Samuel, first Samuel, that Dave, I think second Samuel, pardon me, okay. Saul took 3,000 men from Israel to go and hunt down David. And David ran for his life with, you know, the men that were following him and believed in him. And they were hidden in a cave and Saul, in his pursuit, had come to that same cave, not knowing David was there. And while Saul was there asleep, probably, um, David's men said, this is your time. Take out this guy. And all he could do was just to cut off a piece of the cloth of King Saul. And when Saul uh, woke up and he was about to leave, David came out of the cave and ran to him and just that, by that taking even the piece of cloth of Saul, he said, how can I do this to the Lord's anointed? He was so self, he was reading with um, self, self, self guilt. And he came out and said, Saul, see, I had the opportunity to take you, but I didn't. Everyone told me that I should. And what was Saul's response? He said, this is, like, this doesn't happen. Everybody should take out their enemy. Everyone should take out their enemy if given the opportunity. But you, David, 
you are anointed of God, and surely you'll be king of Israel. And he spared him his life. He only said, David, please, I ask that you spare my descendants. And David swore to that. But David had the opportunity to take out his enemy, but didn't. There was another way. Oftentimes, when we're in conflict, we only see one path. And we think, and you know the saying that um, for in, 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 the hands of a, in the hands of a carpenter, every problem needs a hammer. Have you heard that before? So I was hearing uh, one HR person say, say that, uh, then why are you hiring carpenters? Because, you know, some people just see things in a particular way. Some of the battles we are going through, some of the wars we are fighting, the solution is not always what you think it is. But because we have narrowed our mind with offense, pain, hurt, trauma, we will only see the solution that we think, it, we only see one solution, and oftentimes it is not the best solution. There are other ways of winning wars. Hallelujah. Amen. When you look at the cross, what do you see? Do you see Jesus as a victim? On, no, tell me, this was a carpenter's son went about preaching, healing, and at the height of his ministry, he's murdered in shame. So, at the cross, bear, and he was crucified beside what? Criminals. But as a child of God, when you look at the cross, when you see Jesus on the cross, do you see him as a victim? As a victim of oppression? No. What do you see him as? As a victor. Hallelujah. Jesus said that I, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down. If the devil had known, he would have not crucified Jesus. If the devil had known, he would have not let them crucify Jesus. Jesus was not a victim. The devil came thinking he, will, he had all his strategies and whatever, but there was another way. And it was prophesied that the Messiah will be a suffering servant. Isaiah said it 700 years before Jesus showed up. And this thing about suffering, about pain, oftentimes is God's means of discipline for us, his children. And it's a very, thing, it's a very hard thing for us. It's, it's very hard for some of us to hear sometimes. Because how can you say pain and suffering is ordained by God? Am I not his child? Am I not loved by him? But because God's agenda, God's plan for us, his children, is so that we can become like him, can become Christ-like, amen? One of the means of that, of that happening is true pain and suffering. So he says that he is the true vine and his father is the vine dresser, that he will pluck out anything that is not supposed to be part of the vine. 
So sometimes God is going to break you, circumcise you. He's going to strip something. He's going to pull things, people out of your life just so that you can become like him. And oh, it's painful. Trust me, it's very painful. But Hebrews 12 tells us that God only disciplines sons. How? Like, it's so painful. That through pain and suffering. But we should always remember in the process that there is joy ahead. Hallelujah. And as just like our Savior, Jesus Christ, for the joy that was set before him, he what? He endured the cross. So, so many of us right now seated may be in a situation where you cannot take it anymore. You are going through pain and suffering. But I want you to see beyond what is in front of you and see Jesus at the end. We serve a God who went through what we are going through. Amen. He's not separated from our suffering. He's called a suffering servant. That's what Isaiah called him. Amen. So at the end of the day, our position is to become Christ-like. And now, you know, this pain and suffering, sometimes a lot of us here are dealing with, we are dealing with hurt, pain, trauma, tragedy that we may have caused that may have been done to us. Some of us are mad at family members, friends. Some of us are even mad at God. This scene of offense. Now, um, how we approach offense is very important. Pain will come. Hurt will come. Tragedy will come. Trouble will come. But all those things are not seen in itself. Anger is not even a sin. But it's what you do with your anger. Anger and pain and hurt can lead to the sin of offense. And that's where we need to get it right as children of God. See, some of us are even mad at the church. Some of us are angry at the church. Some of you are here probably because you left your former church because of a particular way you were treated. But the thing about in my short time pastoring, I have been hurt and I have caused hurt. And one, one thing I've learned is at the end of the day, we are human beings. We are human beings. At the end of the day, do you know the first time I learned this lesson? It was, weirdly enough, you'll not even believe this. It's from, um, I think, Dan Brown's Angel and Demons. Was it, is it Angels and Demons that had the Catholic Church, Pope, everything? Anyway, so um, Robert Langdon, that's the character's name, right? The protagonist. Anyway, he had solved this mystery, blah, 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 and he was talking to the Pope. And the Pope told him who... Um, the guy was an atheist. He told him, you see, religion 
at the end of the day, is made up of human beings. I watched this, what, 10 years ago? I can't remember. At the end of the day, the church is made up of human beings. So the church won't be perfect. Rob, um, Ravi Zachariah says that there is no perfect church. The day you find a perfect church and you join it, you will make it imperfect. Because at the end of the day, it's made up of people. And we will have interactions. Therefore, we will hurt each other. Some of us, you don't just like the way someone smiles. You don't like their perfume. You don't like how they look. Like, their very existence offends you. It's true. See, I've seen weird things. And I know, like, we, because you're a human being, as far as you're seated, you're seated here, you have caused hurt or you have been hurt. But at the end of the day, I'm hoping that by the end of this that we will be able to resolve this and wage peace. Now, I say hurt will come, pain will come, but it's what we do with it that matters. It's important that we turn our trouble, our tragedies into triumph. Amen. And the way to do it is hard. That's the truth. That's why God gave us the Holy Spirit. Amen. Some of us, it is your right to be offended. Like, what happened to you? It's your right. But when you read scripture, have you ever gone through the Bible and you just see something and you're just like, nope, because, like, I'm not going to do this, Lord Jesus. Like, no. Any witness? Like, you just turn and you're like, not now, Lord. No, not now. I, I have a right. But here's the thing. We are called to lay down our rights. Amen. And we are called to wage peace. In, in, in James 3, 17 to 18. James 3, 17 to 18. says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Verse 18. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Amen. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace. One of the fruits of righteousness is peace. One of the fruits of righteousness is peace. Let me, um, pardon me, just give me a minute. I want to find something. So I'm looking for Okay. Someone shall help me find where there's envy and strife. Um there's every kind of James tree still, right? Thank you. See me. 
James 3.16. Okay. It says, for where there is jealousy, okay, I was supposed to read everything. From James 3.16, for where there is jealousy and selfish ambition, for where there is jealousy and, se- jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Amen. See that verse 16. It says, for where there is jealousy and selfish ambition. Some versions talk about envy and strife. Right? And honestly, some of these things that God has to take them out of our hearts. Envy and strife. Because where there is envy and strife, there is all manner of sin. All, some versions say all kinds of evil. All kinds of evil. It says, but the wisdom from above is that righteousness, the fruit of righteousness is peace. Amen. So I'm saying all this because our there's, there's a trauma from family, from church, from your workplace, from friends, from lovers. And there is hurt and pain that we need to deal with, that you need to deal with individually and sometimes collectively as well. So in a place, this is James writing to the church and he said, where there is envy and strife. Sometimes in the church, there is the presence of that envy and strife. And what happens when there's envy and strife? It says all kinds of evil. Some version says there will be division. That is, rather than having a unity of faith, having a unity of vision, when there's envy and selfish ambition, you will start to have division. You will start to see differently than the Lord has called all of you to see. But those things, offense need to be dealt with. Hallelujah. It needs to be dealt with in your personal life. So many of us are still dealing with hurt, pain, trauma from our childhood. Some of us, our interactions with the opposite sex is because of the trauma of failed relationships from secondary school. Don't laugh. It's, it's, it's real. Because of a failed relationship. All these things need to be dealt with. If you keep glossing it over with fine clothes and perfume, you're walking around like a dead, like you're, you're basically a zombie. Because if you don't solve these things, and say, for instance, if it's a marriage issue, if you don't solve trauma before you get married, it will definitely come up. So as, as a teen, as, as for me, I growing up, lost my mom at five, lost my, um, my first stepmom. My, we, we experienced divorce when we were, I was 15. And because we loved her so much, I spent my late teens and early 20s mad at God. I wanted nothing to do with God. Because how can you say you're a God of love and you take away you know, um, someone you had given us twice? So I wanted nothing to do with God. And it got worse because I was offended by God. I did not even want to get married at some point. My plan was honestly to be rich enough to afford 
having a baby mama because I wanted, honestly, that was my plan. Until I got born again. And I had to deal with this trauma. And I had to deal with this. Like, it was a, it was a surgical process. It was tough. But I confronted these things. And by the grace of God, the rest is his history. Amen. But all jokes aside, a lot of us need to deal with so many things that we are carrying about. It could be heard from parents telling you that you're not enough. Telling you that you are a failure, that you are ugly. And your interaction with the world now is because of what someone has said or how they've treated you or abused you. But the child of God should live beyond that. Hallelujah. Amen. Are we together? Is it the weather or the topic? We're a bit. It's both. Did I say both? Amen. Amen. We need to deal with trauma. Hallelujah. Now, like I said, this thing is very hard. And unless we submit to Jesus, who is the great physician, because he's a surgeon as well, and that hurt trauma is cancerous and is spreading all over you, if you don't let him take out that tumor, you will continue living with it. And your, it will affect every other thing you do. So a lot of us are in relationships. And your interaction with the person you're in a relationship with is based on what happened in your previous relationship. You are loving from trauma. You are loving from pain and hurt. And that needs to be dealt with. If not, you just... You just keep on carrying this weight that you're not supposed to carry. And even in our interactions with friends and siblings and family, whatever, we get to a place where they hurt us and they cause pain and it leads to offense. And we now say, I am offended. No, you are not offended. You are Charles. You are, you carry this identity of offense around. And it shouldn't be so. You are, you are a child of God. Now, I'm telling you this thing. I'm looking at myself. Oh. Amen. Amen. One of the things I learned, <laughs> God, like, the more you spend time with God, the more he tells you about himself, but about yourself as well. Yeah. Honestly, this COVID bar revealed a lot of things. In my personal life, I saw a lot of self-righteousness. And I used, to be, I used to take pride in the fact that I loved people enough to keep no record of wrongs. But it was something I had to deal with in, in the past few months. That offense kept, kept on cropping up. And I looked at 1 Corinthians 13. It's usually a sweet passage to read, right? It's love is patient, love is kind. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Keep. Love is not boastful. Love, I'm not. So I saw that I thought I was good. But I'm not really. Only one is good. Amen. And for the first time, I was able to confront that. See, 
this brain God has blessed me with, sometimes it brings back hurtful memories. But it's what I do with it that counts. Like we should be able to turn offense into an opportunity to wage peace. Are we together? You are not what happens to you. You are what you do with what happens to you. So someone hurts you, and the next thing is, I am offended. No, that's not your name. That's not your identity. Try by you with me this morning. Amen. Amen. That's not who you are. Glory to God. So to, to our journey to becoming Christ-like, there are a lot of things God will do with us. Like, to, you, there are certain things, but you won't get to the next level of your ministry, your calling, what God wants to do with you unless you deal with your tra the tragedy, the trauma, the pain, and the hurts that you're going through and that you're still carrying. Rather, no, the offense you're still carrying. You need to face it and let the great physician remove that tumor and give you himself. Hallelujah. Amen. Some of us need that healing, wholesome healing. If not, your relationship with God will just keep on capping. You won't, you, you just, you, it will reach a certain ceiling and you cannot go beyond it if you don't wage peace. Now, this peace, what is this peace? Peace, as defined by the world, is the absence of war or the absence of conflict or the absence of quarrel, right? Or the absence of um, trouble. But for the Christian, peace is not just the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of God. Amen. Amen. Peace is not just the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of God. So, Jesus was able to sleep during a storm. Why? Because he is peace. He is the prince of peace. And these people, they, they had been with him for a while. The disciples. They had been with him for a while. And they knew that this guy is not normal. He's supernatural. Right? He's sleeping during a storm. I don't know about you, but rain wakes, like, I don't know, I don't know what part of Abuja you're in, but like a part of um, the portion of the night, rainfall was heavy. And I don't know how many of you woke up because of the kind of thunder. You understand that? But some of us cannot even sleep dur well during a rainfall, heavy rainfall. Then imagine how peaceful you have to be to be sleeping during a storm. See, and they woke him up and said, Don't you care if we perish? Like, have you ever, someone ever woken you up and you're angry? <laughs> I honestly feel that was our like, Come, you people have been with me long. What, why do you have little faith or oh, your yeah, peace? Be still, <laughs> like, it was even more for their sake because he was fine. Peace is not just the absence of trouble or conflict. Jesus himself said, see, the kind of peace I'm bringing is not the way the world defines it. So a lot of us 
Culture is telling us to find peace. You need to cancel people. You need to move on. But that is a very unhealthy thing. Peace, sometimes you need to confront conflict. And in that way, you need to do it with Jesus. Amen. So you run away from people, from situations. You cancel people. You move on. Hashtag we move. But it's not healthy. What you are doing is really just moving your problem to the back and still attaching chains to it. But because it's invisible, you don't know that you've not dealt with this, you've not broken these chains, you've not confronted this thing. Peace is not just the absence of conflict, it's the presence of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So it's important we define what peace is so that when we gather, sorry, as as you go on this, your journey of faith, you know that you, you'll be able to tell what to do and how to do it. Glory to God. Amen. Now, you know, in war, sometimes to um, nations have to set peace treaties, right, or peace accords. So, like, okay, these are, these are the um, criteria, right, or these are the, what's the word I'll use then? Let's say there's a list of things that they are supposed to live by so that they don't go to war against each other, right? And they call it peace treaty, right? So even the United Nations, they have peacekeeping missions, right? And one of those successful missions was carried out by Nigerian soldiers in where? In Liberia, right? And I know we use that to boast a lot about our army, even though it's how many years later. Anyway, but it's one of the success of peace. That's how the UN defines peace. And for the past, how old is the UN? 60 years plus, right? They've been trying to negotiate their own version of world peace, which is never going to happen. It's never going to happen. There will always be wars, rumors of wars. And I'm not speaking as a pessimist. I'm just speaking as someone that has observed humanity. And that's how it will be. There will be always be there will always be someone that will rise and want everything for himself. So in our journey to even creating peace or having peace, we must understand that peace is not necessarily the absence of conflict. We should be able to confront our trauma. Confront. Is it going to be hard? Yes. Is it going to be difficult? Yes. Sometimes it will feel literally like something is being stripped away from your body. But it's the best thing you have to do for your life. Not just that, because we have been ordered to. God gave us that command. The Bible says that we are his ambassadors. That we are ministers of reconciliation. Amen. That we are ministers of reconciliation. So in our interactions, in our dealings with people, it's important that we have that mindset. Glory to God. Jesus, you know, honestly, sometimes you just wish God did not say some things. For instance, 
when they asked him about, um, should we pay taxes to Caesar? As a child of God, don't you just wish God said no? <laughs> and you have spiritual right to not pay taxes. Just imagine. I hope nobody's in FIRS here. But you get, just imagine he said that. So here, God is saying, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. In the Beatitudes also, he said, blessed are you when they insult and persecute you. For your reward is in heaven. Seriously, Jesus? So I cannot just point back my five fingers in retaliation. Like, why is it turned the other cheek? Why is it not an eye for an eye for us? But there is another way to win the war, and that's to wage peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. You know, um, the, the, the UN, they send out envoys, right? Peacekeeping envoys. There people that will go and represent them. They are soldiers sometimes, but their duty is what? Peacekeeping, right? So in a way, we too here, as ambassadors, ministers of reconciliation, you're going into the world as an envoy of peace. You're a peacekeeping mission. You are on a peacekeeping mission. And Jesus says that blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the sons of God. Hallelujah. So if we are going to, if I to give out a list or something, I'll read out some list of scriptures and Let's probably call them our own version of peace accords or treaty of peace. So Hebrews 12, 14 says we should strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Strive for peace with everyone. Romans 14, verse 19 says, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. 2 Timothy 2 verse 22 says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Hallelujah. It says, this charge, this is 1 Timothy 1, 18 to 19 now, it says, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made a shipwreck of their faith. Hallelujah. So in our, some of us, our cultures, our traditions, our homes, we've been taught to respond fire for fire. How will you take this nonsense? Don't you know who you are? You should respond. No, I don't, I don't take this. I don't take this. Do you know who I am? And the Lord is saying, no, there is another way. Amen. There is another way. He's calling you to wage peace. He says, you are my son. And blessed are you for keeping the peace. Blessed are you for keeping the peace. That, is, that should be our response. That should be our posture. Hallelujah. Amen. Wage peace. 
Now, if we don't have that mentality, that disposition, that um, understanding, we will continue living less than. You will live a caricatured life. Meanwhile, you're supposed to go from glory to glory and resemble Jesus and be an Im uh, the, the, the image of Jesus that the world sees. But we need to solve that internal conflict that is going on in your heart. You need to have peace of mind. Hallelujah. You need to have peace of mind. A lot of us are still dealing with unforgiveness and carrying it about. And it is a weight. That hunchback is not from work. <laughs> it's from unforgiveness. I want to propose something. That we have radical forgiveness. Radical. It's hard. But Jesus tells us that he who has been forgiven much, loves much. Amen. And love what keeps no record of wrongs. Say, Jesse, what you're saying is impossible. Yes. Jesus is saying, I've given you my Holy Spirit which is the advantage. And I want you to go back into the world and wage peace with your father, with your mother, with your sibling, co-worker, neighbor, and that your heart should be that which always wages peace. That in the presence of trouble, in the presence of conflict, Jesus is there with you. One of, I, I do this thing where I study a lot of, I, I try to study like classical art in my own, um, um, what's this word? In my own amateur way. And one of the paintings I like is from a guy called Rembrandt. And he's, he painted Jesus in the midst of a storm. And he painted Jesus sleeping and the disciples interacting. But he did this thing where he also painted himself into the picture. He painted himself into the picture. And I want you to understand that we too, sometimes we are the like the disciples, a lot of times we read them and we judge them. Like, can't they see? You know, we have hindsight of 2020, right? But... We should understand that a lot of times we are like Peter that denied Jesus. That we are like Thomas that doubted. We are like the others that ran away when they came to arrest Jesus. Because in our, on our own, we are not good enough. So you need God's grace. You need God's mercy. Hallelujah. And I said this thing, sometimes it is your right to get angry. But also you are called to lay down your right at God's feet. Amen. You are called to lay it at his feet. You are called to lay it at his feet. So it is not a sin to get angry. But it is what anger becomes in you. If anger leads to the sin of offense. You need to deal with it. And you need to deal with it immediately. It affects you very, it affects your spiritual life.
because you may gain material success you may gain all kinds of success but spiritually you are a child a dwarf and if you want to grow in Christ you need to deal with it hallelujah amen glory to God amen now, so many of us are seated here and we have these things. I don't know. I don't know who has hurt you. It could be the church. I want to apologize on behalf of the church. We are made up of human beings like you. Is your parent a sibling? And do you know the thing about the scene of offense I, I, I learned recently? Regardless, even if it was done to you, there are three things you have to do about forgiveness. Radical forgiveness. And I want this to, if you don't take this, if you don't take away anything, take this one. You need to ask God for forgiveness. Even if the hurt was done to you, you need to ask God for forgiveness. You need to receive God's forgiveness, then forgive yourself. And thirdly, you need to ask the person for forgiveness. Yeah. sorry even if it was done to you now you know situations may differ right and listen oh i'm not saying you should be all barney and friends and sesame streets with them amen but in the courts of heaven it needs to be registered and recorded that this person this child of god has dealt with this offense do you understand? And it's regardless of your emotions. It's regardless of your feelings. You need to deal with it. You need to deal with it. Hallelujah. I pray that the peace of God will guide and guard your heart and your minds. Amen. Honestly, and I pray that you have peace of mind. Because we will continue dealing with people from a place of hurt, trauma, and tragedy if we don't submit to God's healing. Hallelujah. Can we just bow our heads? As you bow your head, um, our team members are going to come and give you communion. As you know, this is day 20 of our 21-day fast. And every day we've been breaking bread. But as we take this communion i want to remind i want you to remind yourself of what this symbolizes that even though jesus body was broken and his blood was poured out he was not a victim this is a symbol of victory and i want you to take this praying for yourself praying that you turn offense into an opportunity to love that you turn tragedy into triumph that you turn trouble into triumph amen if not your spiritual growth will always be capped so as you just receive the communion can you worship in comfort please okay no after the communion I'll just wait till everyone just prays. But I want you to pray for yourself. 
you know yourself, when you read 1 Corinthians 13, what part do you struggle with? Is it kindness? Is it boasting? Is it jealousy? Is it that you always remember offense? examine ourselves so I want you to examine your heart where is the Holy Spirit what's the Holy Spirit showing you right now is it sin of unforgiveness what are you carrying sin of offense and he's telling you to wage war with peace there is another way and I want you to leave that mentality of victimhood and live like Christ, live as a victor. Amen. So Father, we commit ourselves this morning as your children. Your goal is to make us become like you. We won't lie, it hurts, Lord. But we will endure because Christ endured. Because there is joy ahead. So Father, I ask for every person in this room as they take your body and your blood that the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guide their hearts and their minds in Jesus' name. I pray that you flood their hearts with peace in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you were blessed by the message. To listen to more, Consider subscribing, sharing, and rating the podcast. We love you. Oh, oh, oh.